Hi, welcome to Season 2, Episode 20 of the Pictures Out There podcast series with Lee Stewart and Dave Fogelman. Today's episode is the fourth in a five-part mini-series, Breakthrough Pictures. This episode and the next are called A Picture for Education. Humanity has never solved for a great approach to education for all. Should it be done? Yes. Can we break through to actually do it? Absolutely. Let's explore. And now, here's Dave and Lee. Thank you for that kind introduction, Candy. This is Dave. And this is Lee. Welcome to part four of our five-part podcast miniseries, Breakthrough Pictures. This episode we call A Picture for Education, Part One, which infers there will be a part two. I guess there's going to be a part two. Okay. (laughs) In our previous Breakthrough Pictures for Equality and Justice and Remediation, well, we've been calling them Breakthrough Pictures because we think humanity needs to explode past our limitations to date in order to create a different approach for equality, justice, and remediation. Yeah, Lee, these are things we've never solved that just seem to be so hard to move, right? Yeah, intractable problems that we have hope can be changed. So we believe the same dynamic is required for education in the future. Academia, in particular, has been unbelievably slow to respond to changes in our world over the centuries. And the result has been a consistently inferior approach to education across the board. As someone who about seven years ago transitioned from a long career in for-profit corporate work into higher education, I have directly personally observed that for many good reasons, and probably an equal number of not-so-good reasons, our education system has been slow to adopt successful practices we see in business and government. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so lots of times Lee and I will, with a topic, decide on guiding principles. Mm -hmm. Decide those first, kind of what in in terms of the picture you're going to create or what you're going to do strategically. What are the principles that really should govern the picture we create? And so we've got a few here, right? We do indeed. And it begins with what we call creating lifelong learners. That seems like a principle that makes good sense to us. So what if we were to begin to teach our children how to think critically, how to find information rather than just memorize information, and how to make real-world learning linkages to what can seem like unnecessary stuff that kids say, well, we got to learn it. I think a key component of being a lifelong learner is you kind of have the answer of the moment, and that's not really how we're trained, right? We're trained right. that there are answers, and then you're done. Right. And we're going to have that theme throughout this. And really, with a lifelong learner, you're constantly updating stuff you've learned before, and so there's never a final answer. Right. It's not really how we're set up, is it? It's not. Not at all. So here's the second principle. What if we were to create happy, fulfilled individuals who feel good about themselves inside an education context? Mm -hmm. So we think education should emphasize learning and not outcomes, also known as grades. Mm. Now, we need a new system to assess that the necessary learning has occurred, but I'm not sure we have to assign a value to it, Mm -hmm. like a grade. Mm -hmm. Another way to create happy, fulfilled individuals 
is to recognize that different people learn in different ways. There are visual learners, auditory learners, kinesthetic learners. They have different needs in terms of educational approaches. And then, of course, we have two generations in the education system who are digital natives. And Lee, you and I have both had a lot of experience in in corporate and academic learning environments. And we hear those phrases, visual, auditory, kinesthetic, that's been, that's been around for a long time. Yes, right. It hadn't really gotten fully ingrained, though, into how we learn throughout our life cycle, has it? That's correct. And I will give elementary school systems a lot of credit, I think, at the elementary school level. It's really beginning to take hold. Yeah. Yeah, I think teachers there understand different learning styles and are developing systems to address each of those learning styles. But then when we go into the high school level, into the university level, you don't see it so much anymore. No, no. It's kind of like, come fit how we do it. Right. And that's that's kind of what you have to live with. And hopefully, as you're describing, a lot of that wonderful change that seems to be happening at the early ages will carry forward as those ages yeah. get older. Absolutely. Now, think about the millions of people who are digital natives, meaning they were born in a time when access to the internet was widespread, mobile, easy. Uh, They have different learning styles and different needs as well. Mm -hmm. So another guiding principle would be to create individuals who function well as members of a society that is positive and always changing for the better. So can we create education opportunities to expose learners to real issues, real issues that are going on in their communities And do that through events, internships, and other hands-on involvement. And again, Lee, this conjures up for me the different learning style piece where I know I'm that way. It's like I got to do something. I can't have somebody just explain something to me. I I don't do well with that. Right. How about a child learn something in the social sciences? We'll take them out into the community and see how that concept is played out on a day-to-day basis. Right. So here is our picture for education in the future. Ah, so this would be like, imagine, you know, what we call going to grade school now or, Mm -hmm. you know, junior high, middle school, high school, college, all that. We're kind of going to be describing a picture for the things that are happening throughout that whole period of time, right? Correct. Yes. So what if we develop skills to know how to do, or if you will, our core knowledge to remember This might include reading, Mm -hmm. both writing and verbal communication skills. Reading and writing, and it's always been kind of the basic, what we'd call in in today's language, I guess, input and output. Yes. If you can't read and write, it's very hard to receive input, and it's very hard to then give your output. So it's just basic communication skills, and it's still still basic, important. It's no less important today than it's ever been. Right. If not more so. Right. How about math? So skills such as making calculations of amounts, sizes, other measurements. Those are basic math needs. Core concepts like addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division, they actually provide a foundation for higher learning. And we've talked a lot, and we'll we'll talk some more about trust and the importance of trust. And one of the things that math allows you to do is in situations where something is quantifiable, you can use math to get to the truth. Yes, you can. The facts of something. Yes. And so it's it's not just important as something is it's kind of a day-to-day skill, but in really important questions, it it kind of makes the ambiguity of something go away. Yeah, that's an excellent point. This is what it is. Yeah, the truth or in math speak, the proof. Right. Yeah. Right. 
How about history? Mm. Now, we're getting better about this, but there's still too much emphasis placed on learning names and dates. This person went there on that date and did this thing, right? But little is given to how and why people did the things they did. So what was the context in which historical moments occurred? And how about if we got in the habit of teaching real history, not mm. history that's sanitized, history that includes the contributions of different races and genders and socioeconomic classes? Yeah, in other veins, you've talked, Lee, about, uh, as a big history buff, you've talked about how history is written by the victors. The more important history really is by those who are conquered or who lose or who suffer. Right. And that's the more accurate history of what's actually going on is the history that, that those individuals would say. To, to date, really, that's always been left out or has been really marginalized. Yeah, minimized at least. Yes. Yeah. How about basic science? So physics, chemistry, anatomy, biology, it's the stuff of the physical experience that we have here. Yes. The notion that you would be alive and not have, again, this basic core foundational understanding of the sciences uh, wouldn't make any sense. One of the things that people, I think, struggle with sciencely is, well, it never seems to be finished. We're constantly learning more. And so we have a debate, those of you in the future that are listening to this going on right now, about science getting discounted mm -hmm. because it keeps changing. Right. Well, we'll go back to what we just said about being a lifelong learner. Yes. Science is a lifelong learning <laughs> for our species. Exactly. And, you know, that, that doesn't make it any less important. No. That makes it fit into what really should be a view of education going forward. Yeah, and if it weren't constantly evolving, then I'm not sure what we're left with. No. That we were just frozen in time. Exactly. Yeah. So geography, to me, Dave, is a lot like history in the way that it's taught. Geography has placed emphasis on maps and place names and things of that nature. But increasingly, in this field, people are being taught environmental concepts, climate change, the effects of human impacts on the natural world. We think that that's proper and good. We hope geography in the future kind of starts with the big picture and then gets down to the details. Being able to memorize capitals, it, okay, fine. That's great that you know the capitals. What about what's actually going on in the geographies, in the country, in the right. world, et cetera? Right. So we hope, again, as Lee is describing it, this is the stepping stone to really looking at big issues like environment, climate, et cetera. Let's include world cultures on our list of concepts to study and connect those to history. And then the remainder of our list, hardware skills in a digital environment. Software skills. Aren't hardware and software skills, aren't they the new reading and writing? They are. How can you receive input? Yes. And how can you give your output? Yes. In that basic way that we talked about reading and writing, how can you do that these days and going forward without some degree of hardware and software yeah. skills? That, that's a great observation. And we're not talking about the need for everyone to become a programmer here. Or a coder. Yeah, yeah. not necessary, but a basic understanding of the inputs and outputs. Now, what if we were to teach life management skills? What if we made life management skills a core concept of learning? So how to cook, how to manage your money, how to repair tear in your clothing. Or else you get out in the world and you go, whoa, I don't know how to do laundry. wash my clothes <laughs> or how to open a bank account. And so right. we're just saying all of those kinds of skills ought to be embedded into the education system. Yeah, absolutely. Now, here's an interesting one. What if we were to begin to teach, at a young age, change management, how to cope with change, navigate through change successfully, be flexible and adaptable, because life is unending change. 
Life has changed, so isn't change management life management? And why would we not teach that starting in what is now for us grade school? Why right. would you not do that? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. It's just amazing that it doesn't happen. Okay, this is a, a one that I have to, I was already going to mention this when Lee and I were discussing this and had a conversation with my granddaughter, and she said, yes, you have to put in recess. Yeah. There has to be playtime. There must be playtime. And don't we really, that notion of playtime, you know, in adults, lots of times, Lee, I think these days we hear people talking about just blocking off your calendar to think. Yes. Just to have a chance to reflect. You don't have a meeting. You don't have a to-do. And isn't that really the effect of recess and playtime for grade schoolers? Well, it's, it's still a need for adults. Yeah, absolutely. To have the chance to reflect. Yeah, it never changes whether you're 7 or 70. Exactly. You still need that. Yep. So how to acquire new knowledge after core knowledge and expertise has been established. These are still refreshed every year because they change every year. Mm. So we're talking about research skills, digital devices that can open up a world of information to us in a matter of seconds. You need to have research skills. A close cousin of that is to understand how to confirm the sources that you find in your research. What does that mean? How could we teach people how to determine the worth and the value and credibility of source information? There's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of distrusted information out there. How can we help people understand what's the good stuff, what's the not so good stuff? What if we taught people how to be lifelong learners, mm. right? How can you engender ongoing curiosity in someone? And one of the things that I think is good to point out here too, research skills, confirming skills, uh, learning skills, as Lee just described. Those things are changing and evolving so rapidly, and this is why we call this a breakthrough picture. It's incredibly difficult for academia. It's incredibly difficult for corporate world, for, for the world, to keep pace with these changes. Yes. And then flip a system around and change it. So that's why we call this a breakthrough picture. Yeah. This is something where to, to try to incrementally catch these things, it, it's going to be too difficult. You kind of have to blank sheet of paper yep. this stuff and say, we really need a completely different approach and a completely different picture to education. Yeah, absolutely. This is not evolutionary, it's revolutionary. So how do we expand our mental abilities? And again, these need to be refreshed on an ongoing basis. You're not done because you learned it once, right? Neuroscience. How about if we taught each other about how our brains actually oh. work, which has tremendous import for learning capabilities, how to research, how to ask critical questions, to think critically, etc. It's almost like a uh, we want you to be a car mechanic, but we don't want really <laughs> you to spend a lot of time. We want you to be able to fix cars, but we're not going to have you or operate a great car, but we're not going to spend any time actually knowing how the car works. Right. Yeah. And the notion that we don't teach how our brains work. How our brains work early on in grade school, they can understand it. Yes. They can understand it. Absolutely. It's just amazing to us that that is not taught yeah, in some fashion. Yeah, it's not taught. It, it's, it's so fundamental. Yep. How about if we were to teach listening skills? Active listening skills. Basic. I won't go into it, but there's a discrete four-step process that facilitates active listening. A child of five can learn that, but we don't teach it. And then practice it. Right. Occasionally. What if we were to learn how to ask open-ended questions and why questions, which really is a link to critical thinking? Mm -hmm. What if we were to, on an ongoing basis, expand our imagination and curiosity and creativity? These things we think of as muscles. Yeah. 
they need to be developed and maintained or they will atrophy from disuse. So too often we teach something to the point of what's called proficiency, but then we conclude that we're finished, we're done. We've talked about this before. Ongoing lifelong learning counteracts this. It's very easy to imagine, Lee, in grade school, what we call grade school today, that there would be an hour a week where the teacher would exercise the student's ability to listen. Take five or ten minutes. Go through an exercise. Exercise questioning. Have an imagination exercise. Have a curiosity exercise. Creativity exercise. Critical thinking exercise. Take an hour a week. To do that, they're muscles. We think nothing about going, oh, an hour or two a week, you have to have physical Mm -hmm. exercise. Mm -hmm. Why don't we have the same muscle exercise for for our our minds minds and our creativity? Absolutely. I think it's important for us to pause here and say, we understand and recognize and appreciate and are grateful for all of the really good work that a lot of educators are out there doing. Absolutely. a, A lot of what we're talking about exists. It's just scattered and it's in pockets and it's not... As Dave said before, incrementally, we can't overhaul the system one step at a time. It has to be done in a revolutionary fashion. Yeah, Lee and I are here and in this entire exercise and have spent a lot of our careers in education because we love it and it's meaningful to us. And I know for both of us in conversations, we've had some of the biggest influencers in our lives have been teachers. Yes. So hear that throughout all of this. Yeah, please. Yeah. So let's transition into a discussion of self-awareness. Again, something that we need to, in an ongoing way, continue to think about and learn about. So there are many excellent tools in the marketplace to assist with the development of self-awareness. You might have heard of the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator. That's one of the oldest temperament personality assessments out there. It still has great worth. There are True Colors. There's DISC. There's StrengthsFinder by the Gallup organizations and on and on and on. All of these generate insights and understanding into our uniqueness and increasingly designers of these instruments are creating instruments that are good for small children. So again, this can begin at a relatively young age. And then there are great basis for conversations, right? Yes. About the results. Yeah. Where we have a chance to reflect on our own and learn about one another. Yeah. So you've heard us talk in previous podcasts about affirming our uniqueness. Well... An ongoing education about self-awareness facilitates that and affirming connection to all people. We just talked about, hey, what's your disc type? This is my disc type. There's a conversation and a vocabulary that permits us to make connections with others. This helps us develop our self-confidence. And interestingly, and this sounds a bit counterintuitive, not only does it help us develop confidence, but also humility. Mm -hmm. Okay. And how can we connect learning in the humility arena to public service community involvement, et cetera. So we feel like we need to own our physical health, our mental health. And Lee, we think that uh, this ownership of physical and mental health, we own the objective and the result. Okay. So Mm -hmm. usually these things are dictated to us about what the objective should be of our physical health and mental health. And part of ownership is to say, no, I'm going to own both. I'm going to own the objective that I want to have for that. That's part of my individuality. And I want to own the result. It's both of those. And so the self-awareness section that we're talking about here would include beginning that ownership and setting that up for people. So what if we were to affirm our value and worth, like understanding we matter, others matter. We can all make a difference. 
And that connects to what Dave and I talk about in nearly every one of these podcasts, and that is our ideals. What would happen if we were to really walk those out every day? Mm. And we can help individuals through education uncover and discover their own ideals through coaching. Mm -hmm. So that's part one of our picture for education. There is a part two. After all, yes, <laughs> coming up. So in our next podcast, which is our finale in the Breakthrough Pictures miniseries, we will cover part two of our picture for education. We call these Breakthrough Pictures because we believe we're at a special and wonderful moment in time when we have a very real opportunity to picture a new way of living for equality, for a penance-based approach to mistakes and the law, and for education. While we describe very new approaches and new breakthrough pictures for these topics, we want to also call out all of the amazing and wonderful people, both past and present, who have given their time, energy, and even their lives to work for new approaches to these opportunities. Wonderful people in the past and present who have given their time, energy, and lives toward equality for all of us, toward real justice and a better way of dealing with the law for all of us, toward an open, lifelong, and forward-thinking education for all of us, including teachers, mentors, and all of those people who pass on knowledge, curiosity, and wisdom. We would not be in a position for these breakthrough opportunities that we have today without all of their efforts past and present. So as we describe these pictures for the future, we stand on your shoulders and we thank you. So as we always ask, what are your pictures? What are your perspectives? What are your ideals and what is your influence to use? We hope to talk to you again soon. Take care. Thanks for joining us today. As always, feel free to explore more about pictures out there at picturesoutthere.com and major social media sites. We hope you have the day of your dreams, the day of your pictures. <laughs> <laughs>